Good morning and welcome to Daily Devotions. My name is Israel and it is my honor to encourage you this morning. We are in, as of today, week four of our Advent devotion series. Advent is a season of anticipation. It comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means to come or to call upon someone to come. And it echoes the closing words of our New Testament, the book of Revelation chapter 22, where it prays, come Lord Jesus. Now, Advent, we've been looking over the last three weeks of how both in the Old Testament, the Old Testament people of God, the Israelites, anticipated the coming of the Messiah and how we anticipate the return of the Messiah in our own days, Jesus Christ. Now, this Christmas season is sometimes easy to forget what the purpose of it was, that God came to the world. And we looked at various different readings and prophecies from the prophet Isaiah, who is kind of the Advent prophet as he prophesies the coming of the Emmanuel and how it so beautifully echoes in the New Testament, the promise of Jesus. But the passage I want us to turn to today is a very well-known one, and it is connected to the fourth candle of Advent. As you'll see, we have all, all four candles for Advent lit here next to me, each symbolizing an aspect that Jesus brought to the world. The first candle lit was the candle of hope, which symbolizes the hope of Jesus that came into the world as a light to humanity. The second was the candle of peace, the third was the candle of joy last week. And today we are sitting with the candle of love burning because love has entered into the world. Love is often romanticized. Love is sometimes made into something that is just a commodity, something that is just thrown around. We tell people we love them without the commitment that goes of the proclamation of love. Love is not a fickle thing. Love means something, and love carries a weight with it. Love carries a commitment. And our passage I want us to read today is John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. If you ever visit our church here in Cape Town, Father's House Church here in Cape Town, on the floor walking in, you'll see written on the floor the words, for God so loved Cape Town. And we intentionally put that on the floor to be the first thing you see when you walk into church, because it's why it's our why for why we do ministry. You see, Jesus's ministry on earth was the extension of for God so loved the world. And we're doing our ministry in Cape Town as an extension of that same ministry. You see, God loved the world, so he gave Jesus. Jesus ministered in the world and died for the sake of the world because of love. And at his, after his resurrection and at his ascension, he gave the great commission to his disciples, which included go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you. And so Jesus sent the apostles out with the same extension of love that he himself ministered at, with the responsibility to teach us to also minister in turn out of an extension of that love. So everything we do as a church, as the people of God, every 
hungry person we feed, every sick person we look after, every widow, every orphan, every person on the street we care for, has to start from that point. God loves them. And we love because God loved us first. It's often easy, especially in charismatic Pentecostal environments, to get caught up in in sort of trying to make more stuff happen. Sometimes in evangelical churches, it's all about pioneering culture, doing something more, another conference, another album, another new church plant, another vision statement, another this, another that. And Pentecostals and Charismatics love to tell how many people they've evangelized, how many healings they've seen, how many how many soup kitchens they've opened, how many people's been impacted by ministry. And it's often easy to make ministry become project oriented where the starting point of all ministry to the world is for God so loved the world. And I think we sometimes need to be reminded that whatever God is doing in your life, it's not a passive thing of him trying to just do something for the sake of doing something. It is an actual proclamation of his love for you. There is nothing that you are going through that God doesn't want to help you through. There is nothing that you're going through that God doesn't want to give grace to you for. In the opening lines of the book of John, it talks about the light of the world that has come into the world. And it says that he's given us grace upon grace. He hasn't just given you grace. You see, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Jesus has given you grace upon grace because for God so loved the world. And I'm reminded of another passage that deals with love, and that is from the book of Mark chapter 12. And the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus out in this passage. And um, the passage is this in 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked them, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is the ancient Jewish prayer called the Shema. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. Now, the Shema followed by the proclamation of loving God. This is the easy part. A lot of us can say we love God and we've devoted our lives to him. But the tricky part comes in Jesus' second point in his statement. And he says this, verse 31, the second point is this, you shall love your labor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. It's quite incredible because Jesus sums up the entirety of Old Testament law in these two phrases. You shall love the Lord your God of all your heart and all your soul and all your mind with all your strength. And the second is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. It's easy to say, I love you, Lord, but not love our neighbors. And what this passage is basically saying is that we fail in fulfilling the commandment to love our Lord if we don't love our neighbors. It was a time when I lived in a monastery and I would sit in prayer in the mornings, perfectly self-righteous and holy, caught up in the presence of the Lord, praying for a couple hours in absolute silence, and I would love it. And then we'd go up to our community kitchen, which was shared by everyone in the monastery, and I quickly would be brought down from my self-righteousness, my self-holiness, when I would see 
dishes in the sink from my brothers and sisters living in the community who didn't do their dishes. And I would be hurt um, and I would get frustrated and I'd get angry thinking they had a responsibility to wash their own dishes and they're leaving it here. It's affecting the whole community. And it would teach me more that loving God doesn't always look like me sitting on my knees in prayer, perfectly self-righteous and holy in that moment. But actually, how I was reacting to dishes that my brothers and sisters weren't doing said more about me than it said about them. And that I had a responsibility to learn to love them, not just to learn in private to love God. And I would go back to prayer, and I wouldn't pray for them to change because that would be spiritual manipulation, but I would pray that my heart would change towards them. And in time, their actions changed, but I didn't ask them to change. I learned to love them through things like this. And it's almost like sometimes in Christian community that that we all have a love language, but that the love language of Christian community is acts of service. And so a service you can give to one another is to love each other. But I also know some people that can so easily love other people, but they don't look after themselves. And I'm reminded of the statement that the same commandment for you to love your neighbor in turn means it's also commandment for yourself to allow yourself to be loved by your neighbor. And you can't neglect yourself without loving your neighbor because it says love your neighbor as yourself. And so a lot of people have it easy to look after other people, do things for other people, but they don't find it easy to look after themselves. So my challenge to you today is this. Be aware of the love of God that has come into the world already. God has already given you love the love of Jesus. Do everything you do as an overflow of that love. Don't make projects out of people. Don't make projects out of ministry. Do it because of love. And lastly, love your neighbor, but also allow yourself to be loved by your neighbor. I hope this has been an encouragement for you. Can I pray for you quickly? Father, thank you for love. Thank you for the love that you've extended to humanity. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. And as we are in this last week of Advent leading up to Christmas morning where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, thank you that we can all experience your love this week. And show us maybe those times where we have failed to love our neighbor and also show us when perhaps we have failed to allow ourselves to be loved in seasons like these. Thank you, Father, that right now everyone listening can become aware of your love for them. And I ask that we can tangibly feel and experience your love with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 